time. Welcome to the JLD Entertainment Podcast with me, Jacqueline Lee Elliott. Today's guest is someone I have known for such a long time. We crossed paths when we were working on the NRL footy show. And I want to say that was probably 10 years ago. And I now run into him mostly at NRL games as well as other sporting matches. And you'll find him managing the floor with broadcast and talent. And he was one of the many people working behind the scenes, as well as the camera, queuing journalists and the presenters who you see on your screens. Tony Chalmers, former NRL player who played mostly in the wing for the Parramatta Eels and the Balmain Tigers before their name change, won the 86 grand final when he played for Parramatta, winning 4-2 against the Bulldogs. Tony transitioned into working in TV and broadcast where he landed a gig with Nine and the Footy Show and he worked on that show for 22 years. A broadcast floor manager in the NRL for 25 years and still does today working with Fox Sports. Tony has worked on so many other huge events and shows going back to the Farm Aid Telethon in 2002, Wave Aid in 2005, 13 years doing the Sydney Fireworks Show with Dickie Wilkinson at the Opera House. He's worked on the Delhi M's, the Today Show with Nine, broadcasting live from New York City, and has worked with so many artists, such as, and the list is so long, however, here are just a few, Bob Dylan, Mel Gibson, Slash, Dennis Rodman, NXS, Meatloaf. The list is wild and so impressive. And he's with me here today. So I hope you all enjoy this. Let's bring him in. Welcome, TC. How are you? I'm good, kid. So you're back from Queensland. I want to quickly talk about your time up in Queensland for this season because it was a mad scramble for everyone. How much time did they give you before you had to get on a plane and go to I think I had about four days to hop on a plane and get up there with no return ticket and not absolutely have no idea when we're coming back. And straight into hotel quarantine. Straight into two weeks of uh, quarantine, which was absolutely torturous. Yeah, you said that. You hated that. Um, yeah, two weeks of quarantine. I uh, We went up there with a uh, chartered plane with the wives and girlfriends, uh, which is quite interesting. I, I have absolutely the most admiration for the mothers who had a couple of kids with them and, you know, staying in a hotel room for two weeks, unable to open the door, unable to go out on the balcony with two young kids would have been uh, like absolutely torture. I, I found it tough doing the two weeks with just me, but, um, these wonderful ladies, all they did was have smiles on their faces. In the end, there were kids kicking soccer balls and footballs around the, uh, around the floor or the lift well we could we couldn't leave our floor at the end so we were sort of a little community every floor was a different community but it was sort of, I guess life-changing but uh it, it, it took me to my to my limits as far as isolation goes well and truly for the season up there once you're out was it similar to down here everything was kind of you know business uh, well, as usual or it was business as usual but um you're not, you're not at home. You're not with your family, all that sort of stuff. I mean, it was all up there and, and, and the company, Fox, Fox Sports was so good to us. You're sort of never off. You're never turning off. There's always things, especially around the farm, you used to go and do during the week. And, but we found a lovely place, uh, in Burley Heads. So we spent 10 weeks, I think it was in Burley Heads, which is an absolutely outstanding place and recommend to absolutely anybody. So if I wasn't at home doing what I wanted to do, it was a really great plan. But we, uh, we had a hotel straight across the road from the beach and, um, yeah, we're pretty much local by the end of the 10 weeks. There was me and two others 
there was three of us up there. So, and we were good company for one another. Thank God I, I went up with somebody because it would have been uh, much harder without, without someone to keep you company, you know. Absolutely. And they would have loved having you all up there. They did. Yeah, they did. And, and it, we really felt like we were doing something special. Uh, a lot of it's done remotely now, as you know, with the COVID and everything like that. But you still need some sort of on-ground presence. And we were that on-ground presence. So we did. We actually were accomplishing things. We didn't feel like we were up there just doing nothing. And they made it known that they've appreciated what we've done and everything, which is great, you know. But it was just it's just a, a, an unbelievable experience. It, it seemed like it went so long. But then I look back and it was 10 weeks and it didn't seem like so long. Mm. But... Um, it was very social. We had like a dollar for every beer I had up there, Love but, um, but yeah, it was very social. And I, I, I was lucky that, as I say, I went up with its two really good guys, a bloke called, uh, Jake Duke and, mm-hmm. uh, and Matt Beach, who's a cameraman. And they were just a great pair to hang out with. So, so we did all our things and we got out and about a bit. We made each other's lives a little bit easier. And, and as I say, it was, Something that, that I'll appreciate all my life for really well, you know, something yeah. I'll never forget. I mean, it was just such a whirlwind because, you know, for someone that works so with NRL as well, and I was talking to Glenn Hawke about this last week, was around Origin when Origin was moving from Sydney and then it was a bit of a whirlwind moving potentially to Newcastle and then getting thrown straight to Townsville. I was trying to orchestrate some elements um, for one of their clients for the star and it was mayhem. So I can't imagine what it was like for you guys, but all of us, you know, who work here in Sydney, we just kind of said goodbye, goodbye and good luck to all of you. And you all just had to carry, carry on with everything in Queensland. It was freaking crazy. It's just freaky. Like, as I say, jumping on a plane and you have absolutely no idea how long you're going to be kissing goodbye to your wife and, you know, saying goodbye to your kids. And when you're coming back, I've got no idea. I really have no idea. I only realized, I only, um, setting the date to come back the day after the grand final, I think the Wednesday before the grand final. So up till then, I was sort of, well, was I going to stay there a little bit longer for the cricket and things like that? But in yeah. the end, we decided to uh, jump ship and yeah, yeah. Put, and it was just long enough to, I, know, I think it would have got a little bit more tedious if I had to stay up there much longer. Yeah, I bet. All right. So let's talk about you. This is what today's all about you and your career. And the reason why I'm doing this podcast is to highlight the people that work behind the scenes on these massive events and shows that we all love. But it's the story behind the people who put these massive events on. And you've had a huge career and you were one of these people. And so... Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Pleasure. So you started your career with the NRL. First grade, first grade debuted at the age of 20 with the Para Eels and you played yep. NRL from 1983 with Parramatta as well as the Balmain Tigers before they became the West Tigers. The and in your second, I know, journo. And um, in your second year with the club, you won the premiership with when Parramatta defeated the Bulldogs in yep. 1986 and you won 4-2. What a score. That's massive. Yes, which is yeah, it was a, uh, it was intense just... game. It was outstanding. Even when I think about it now, you look back and you still get tingles up your spine thinking, how did I, how was I so lucky to be part of that? You know? Well, actually on the day, I was playing reserve grade because the reserve grade made it into the grand final and we were playing the Roosters. So I played a full game in reserve grade and we got beaten by the Roosters. So I was absolutely, you know, we were all inconsolable losing the grand final. Then I got asked to sit on the bench in first grade and then one of our guys, Mick Delroy, got injured. I went on at halftime 
first grade game. It ended up being one of the like saddest days of my sporting career, losing a grand final to one of the happiest winning a first grade grand final. And yeah, I still pinch myself that, that I was actually able to do that and I was lucky enough to be in the position to do it. Was, I can't thank Parramatta enough. They'll always be in my heart, giving me a start and giving me those opportunities. That's huge. What position were you playing? I was on the wing. On the wing. I was the speedy winger. Speedy winger. Speedy and winger. how did you transition into TV? Yeah, I retired at the end of 1990. Actually, in early 1991, I, I retired, decided to retire. And I just um, I had a break from football. I didn't watch a game. I, didn't, I was just burnt out. So I just stayed right away from it. And I was actually, uh, I had a little truck company and I just sold that. And I went, there was a job offered to drive the outside broadcasting truck for a product company called Zero One Zero. This was in 95. So I applied and long, long story short, I got the job. Well, this tiny little production company, they did things like aerobics on style and they did, used to do the soccer and all that. Every day you go, there were monstrous days, 18 hour days, seven days a week. You know, we worked our butts off, but every day you'd learn something new. You know, you'd have to do a bit of audio. You'd have to do a bit of lighting. You'd, and that's where I started to do a little bit of floor managing. And that's where I got the, not the, the passion. Yeah, it is a passion to do something like that. I lasted there for two and a half years, and I think one of the weeks we worked there, we worked at uh, we worked 112 hours in the weekend. <laughs> so it was. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. But I, I came away with a, with a lot of uh, lot of knowledge and much more experience than I would have got anywhere else in double the time. You know, so so then I actually went out. I was a freelance cameraman only for about three or four months, but I put my CV out to seven, nine and 10, the free to air networks. And next thing they called me in at nine and said, we got a job doing the footy show on the rugby league. Are you interested? And I went, hell yes. Hello. Mm. So I was just in the right place at the right time. So I bumped straight into there and, and started doing the footy show and uh, the rugby league. And, and that was 25 years ago and it's still my dream job and I still love it. And the footy show is where our paths crossed. And, exactly. Um, so many people tuned in every single week. It was just Thursday nights were honestly, you never knew what was going to happen. They were that much fun to do. Yeah. The grand finals where you and I worked pretty closely uh, over the years were, were monstrous. You know, we do it, we do it a grand final. We do a normal studio show. It had about two, 220 audience in, members in there. When we do a grand final show, it had 8,000, 10,000. I think we did one with 12,000 people in. So it was just a, a nice. mammoth production and there was a thousand pieces to it. And, you know, all the good people that, that work on it managed to get it over the line. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but, um, it was always a bit hit and miss with the footy show, but we always got there. And it's something that I was always very proud of. You, leave, you leave, used to leave on the Thursday night tired because you'd be like, it was busy, 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 but you'd always, leave with a sense of relief or, or on the other scale a disappointment if something went wrong but I couldn't work on a job where I just walk away from it at the end of the day without having some sort of uh, some sort of feelings about how the day went whether it went really good whether I'm satisfied whether I'm not satisfied you know it's just a tremendous job to get that sort of satisfaction I guess or, or always try to be perfect you know I don't think I've actually ever got there yet but um, you always try to do things perfectly and try to have the best it doesn't matter if if you're working on a production and someone in another department, something happens in another department, it, it all comes back on the crew and, mm. and everyone takes it personally. So if, you know, there's something out of your control that happens, that it's everyone's, not everyone's fault, but everyone just takes it personally. It's just yeah. this, to get big shows like that and big productions on air takes the work of so many different people and so many talented people. Uh, people just don't understand how good it is to work with a great crew 
and seeing your face in the grand finals with the uh, girls and all that, I used to breathe that little bit of sigh of relief to think, okay, Jack's there, you know, and it just it just makes everybody's job so much easier. And with everyone working as hard, knowing their jobs, it, it, it makes an impossible job possible, really. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely comes down to the team that you've got around you. Yeah. What were some of the highlights? I mean, you had so many people come onto that show. Who were some of the people that you got to cross paths with? I had a, I had a good drink after one show with Meatloaf. That was that was pretty uh, that was pretty awesome. Um, he was a good guy. He was actually, to be honest, he was a little bit um, temperamental to work with. Mm-hmm. But then we uh, met him. Uh, or I met him after the show when he was outstanding. He's a great guy, you know. Um, we had Kiss on. We had a few incidences with Kiss. Um, they were they were interesting. <laughs> Interesting, but it's funny working with people like that, um, that you've grown up loving their songs, you know, you grew up with the anthems that they used to sing, and then you finally meet it. Sometimes you're really pleasantly surprised, more times than not, you're not, but, uh, Slash. Slash, yeah. Vince Vaughan, Jack Black, uh, John Cena. Yeah. We had Ronda Rousey and, um, Dana White. Uh, USC. Dana, Dana White was, yeah, was a great bloke. What a legend of a bloke he is. You, you, yeah. you would think that you were just bumped up at the bar or something and you just have a chat with him. He's just an outstanding gentleman. No, he was great. Oh, and the great Steve Irwin. Oh, he, he was, beautiful. he was, yeah, he used to come on and he was a regular on the show basically. Um, let me get him riding a camel onto the show one time, but, um, we did this thing where he put a snake, Fatty has a snake phobia. So he bought yeah. out a massive python. And he put it around Fatty's neck. Well, next thing, all this brown stuff came out of the back of the snake. And it just, he crapped all down Fatty's shirt. Well, he's dry reaching. And I'm standing five (laughs) feet away from it. And I'm dry reaching too, because I haven't got the best stomach in the world. Well, then we get to the break. And Steve Irwin had set it up. And what it was, was a bit of peanut butter with water in a plastic bag. And he just held it behind it and squeezed the plastic bag and it all came out. So it's funny how your mind wonders because then when he said that I thought it did smell like uh, peanut butter you know what I mean when I thought it was crap it smelled like crap but when he told us it was peanut butter you go yeah that's right it was peanut butter so, wow and pulling uh, that on on air well no one knew about it Derek, on you. absolutely no one knew about it except him he had the he had the best laugh about it we, we, sh- we should have kept going in the commercial break because just to see his his reaction was outstanding he loved it he thought he, he just done the best joke in the world which then we had other incidents like the chili eating incident where the boys ate hot chilies you know what I mean yeah. and, and mate their, their mouth was burning I'm just feeding milk into them we got Chief to run out the back is another one we got Chief to run out the back and he went to the uh, fridge that we knew he was going to go to where we put a bit of this milk was about a month out of date. <laughs> so, <laughs> picked up the milk and straight it down his throat. Next thing he's dry reaching because it was all off milk. But uh, yeah, well, other things, I mean... Uh, Look, you're the person on the floor. You're behind the camera. You're managing everything behind the scenes. What If you, if you think of the show, and I, I'm not saying this because you'd know what I'm talking about, but if you think of the show as in two pieces, there's a control room with a director that's calling the shots and the lighting director and all that, and there's the floor that has to make sure everything goes all right on the floor. I'm in charge of that floor. Mm. I'm in charge of the cameraman, the audio guys, talent. I mean, when I first started doing the footy show, they used to hold up cards. It was only a couple of shows old. And they used to hold up cards and Fatty used to follow it and throw to the break or whatever. Well, the first thing I did was throw out those cards because hearing him stuff up the throws was half the uh, half of the attraction of the show, I think. <laughs> so they, 
talent literally, especially a host, they literally look at me and if they're lost or they're lost in the rundown or there's changes, they look at me and I'll, I'll let them know where we're going next and what's doing, you know? Yeah. Cause I've got the director in my ear. So, um, it's up to me to implement everything that needs to be done to try and stick as close as we can to the rundown. So everyone's across it. Gag's a great gag. So long as everyone knows what to do, you know, it falls flat, just not a good gag. I mean, Graham Kennedy was one of the uh, greatest rehearsers of all the gags. He never used to do one gag without doing a rehearsal. He used to get Kenny Suckley in the back, rehearse, 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 yeah. But those, those early years on the footy show, honestly, I used to turn up on a Thursday. Think, here we go. It was like a roller coaster. I was like, yeah. like turning up What's to Luke Park. And you're walking through the front <laughs> edges going, now what ride are we going to go on now? You know? We had some big setup. We've had broken bones on the show. Poor Ben Ross was having an arm wrestle with Wendell Saylor. There's another one where I was standing a couple of feet away and I just heard this big crack and I was gone. There was a a person in the audience that said she was a doctor. Maybe she went with him, but I was was sort of my priority was to make sure he was okay. But once someone knew that he was being looked after, I had to get back to doing the show. We all had two or three segments to go. Yeah, and as a floor manager and someone who is managing all of that stuff on the ground, you have to kind of just compartmentalise, don't you, and be like, all right, well, we need to just always, keep going. You've always got to keep a level head. You, you can't yeah. get panicked. If you get panicked, it just it just reflects on the whole floor. As long yeah. as you're assertive, assertive without being bossy, but assertive and confident in what you're doing, you could, even if you make the wrong call, if everyone does it, well, it's not the wrong call. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every, you, yeah. Everyone knows to listen out to you. And every, if everyone on the floor has got confidence in you, all you got to do is say, do this, do this, do this, and bang, it happens. You know what yeah. I mean? If It's a big thing, confidence in our business, as you know, because a lot of people's careers are riding on the calls you make, you know? Yeah. It's a reflection of, of all the – and I'm not talking about just on air talent. I'm talking about audio and lighting and all, you know, staging and, and tech A guys and everything. If If – you don't know what you're doing, you're going to make them look bad. So yeah. the more experience you get from it, the better. When I first started doing the footy show, I'd hardly floor manage the thing. I was a part-time floor manager at best. And I am, I know so much more now, thankfully, you think after 25 years I would, but I wish I could probably go back there with the knowledge I've got now, you know, and, and yeah. do it all again because I would. Yeah. But it was all a learning curve. I mean, that show was young when I first started working on it and, we evolved and, you know, yeah. it got a little bit, got a little bit tedious in the end. And I think they just lost the direction they wanted to go with it. It didn't really have an identity. They didn't mm. know what it wanted to be. Mm. And, um, you know, Fatty got taken off the show and it, it, I got the utmost regard for that, that guy. And I won't go into the friendship I have with him, but it's, it's a tremendous one. And but they just don't understand the talent that he had to host a show for over 20 years. Um, and he still has. He's still on the footy yeah. show. He's still on the uh, rugby league coverage on Friday nights. And he does an outstanding job in the box, yeah. you know. He, he's just an outstanding talent. He's got one of the best memories for anything I've ever seen anybody. You can pick up any game and he knows the score. He knows the round it was in. And he's, it's just, yeah, he's, he's like a robot. Yeah, percent. But and it was an absolute privilege to do it. And you've also floor managed so many NRL matches for 25 years, still going now with Fox. Do those same roles and responsibilities come over when you are floor managing an NRL event? A certain amount do. Um, there's a certain amount of confidence you need to do what I do, especially on grand final day, state of origins, uh, the big games, when we've got entertainment, where I've got a liaise with with the NRL, um, the uh, people on the ground who are in charge of the entertainment, uh, I've got to make sure that 
you know, they get there on time, they start on time. If we've got a hard cue, I've got to make sure that the bear's ready to go or the talent's ready to go. And, and there's no, you know, you go back to, I don't know, what's the, the Billy Idol thing. Remember Billy Idol when he came out? And what happened was he, he lost all power to his stays, but he still had his microphone that was what, running off a different system. So you could hear him saying, rock and roll Australia, I love Australia, blah, blah, blah. I'm going, and I've got the director screaming in me, what's going on, what's going on? So... I'm with my guys going, is this going to get up? Is this going to get up? And in the end, I had to put a stop to it. And I said, look, just get him off. We'll move on. Just get him off. So he's rolling wow. backwards off the stadium going, God bless you, Australia. I love you. <laughs> I, just got our, out. I just got our host to pick up and, and, and move on with the broadcast. We couldn't afford to waste any more time. You know, yeah. so and you've with things like, calls. Well, you've, you've got to back yourself. You've really got to back yourself to make those calls. And, you know, thankfully, probably more through luck than anything else, I feel like I, I make the, the right calls in those situations more times than not. And, and that's all through experience and, and all through confidence. And, like, you know, I've done roughly NRL games. It would be over 2,000 NRL games. So it all comes with that experience. And it comes with, you know, you know the roles of the people you work with and you don't overload them with stuff that they don't need to be overloaded with and you just trust them with the stuff that they've put there to be trusted with, you know? Yeah. And if you can keep it like that, everything seems to work pretty well, you know what yeah. I mean? With live sport, I mean, 90% of the product is what happens on the ground. So, you know, when the game starts, that's that's not what I'm putting my feet up. You still got a bit to do, but but that takes care of itself. But, you know, pre-game, half-time, post-game, it's... There's a fair bit in it, especially as I say with big guns. You've been there, you, you've seen that. You know, you do a oh, great yeah. job with the guys and everything. And yeah, it's a big, it's a big production, isn't it? Yeah, everyone is absolutely invaluable with uh, things like that. And there might sometimes it might only be little things, but you can see when on a broadcast when there's people that probably are out of their depths a bit, it actually reflects on the broadcast. You know, the timings, how tight it is. You throw it to something, there's dead air for a couple of seconds or something like that. It's just, it's just not as tight as when people are doing it that know exactly what they're doing and they're confident in what they do. It's such a jigsaw of, you know, if it was a jigsaw puzzle, it'd be one of those 5,000 piece jigsaw puzzles, I think, and yeah. everyone's got to fit into everyone else. But as long as you respect what everyone else does, and, and as I say, you, you understand what they do, it's, it's a breeze compared to what it could be. And I, I do, I love it. You know, I hope I'm doing it for a, you know, I love going to work. And it's very corny, but I love going to work. You I, love, I love it. it You're passionate about it. Well, I do. You just, as I say, you walk away, as I say, feeling, geez, that was a great day or oh, that was a crap day. Or you, you walk away with emotions. It's not yeah. office job. It's not, how'd you go today? Oh, it's all right. You sat in front of a computer for eight hours or whatever. No, we get out there and, and you, you, honestly, especially with the big days, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what you're going to be up against. Yeah. And just being prepared and, experienced will well the experience so much yeah preparation is the experience so bang you can you, you can go bang okay we'll do this we'll do this you know what i mean and that all comes with experience there's nothing else you can't get told how to do that you can you can go and do courses you can do it you, nothing's going to teach you to do that other than experience and learning from your experiences if you don't learn from them you, you, you know you're never going to be able to make those those critical calls that are really big on the coverage, but you realise you've passed point in no return or we've got to do something else or we, we can't muck around here, you know what I mean? Mm. You, you've, you've got to be the show caller, basically, and, and 
you know, that's, that's what I love doing. And you've had the opportunity to travel internationally as well for work. For example, uh, the Today Show, you've been able yeah. to broadcast from New York um, and you mentioned three times. That's huge. Well, there's a funny one there because um, the first time they were going over to New York, I actually, I used to, when I was at nine, I, I was the head of the department. We had a guy who used to do all the day shows. Well, I got a call four days before he was flying out and he'd fallen down an escalator or a set of stairs and he was in hospital and couldn't go to New York. No. So guess, guess who had to go and quickly get their work visa and like, run around and do all that Jeez. sort of stuff. That's how I got the first gig on, um, doing the Today's Show in New York. We did right in the middle of, in the middle of Times Square. We stayed uh, at a hotel the three times right on Times Square. The um, time difference was outstanding. I think we went to air at one thirty in the afternoon, which was 5.30 Sydney time. So you could get in there at a reasonable time, do your rehearsals, uh, and you'd be out of there by 5 o'clock or something like that, and then go and hit it with... How good's that? Dickie Wilkins and, and Carl Stephan and all those guys, and just, uh, yeah, we had some big nights, and that was great. It was, yeah, it was... We did that. I did that three times. I did it the next two times because they said, you did it last time, so you can do it this time. So <laughs> I scored oh, three trips so to New special. York for, uh, without even trying, really. But that's it was, so it, that was an eye opener. I mean, working with American crew and everything, all fantastic people, but it's just a different world over there. You can't, they're very highly unionized. So you can't jump over your department. One time I just framed up a camera in rehearsals and you think that I'd just cost them their job or something like that. And all these cameramen came running and said, don't do that. Don't stop that. Don't do that. You know, we got to do that because they're all protecting their jobs. So once, once you get over the different traditions and customs, uh, which I did pretty quickly in the first day or so, yeah, we, uh, we got a really good worker relationship. They're all, they're all really good people. I love that. I've got a few more on my list. When we talked about it briefly on the phone this week, the New Year's Eve fireworks that you, yeah. you were able to work on for 12 years. I did those yeah. for about 12 years, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that, um, there was, there was one year where the fireworks were cancelled. And- yeah. We, well, we used to, um, we used to go and do the nine o'clock fireworks and that cross was about, I think it used to go for about an hour or something like that. So that was the, the full on one. And then the, the midnight ones were virtually just a 15 minute cross. Let's do the other fireworks, bang, back and out the fireworks. That's it. Mm. So we used to go there and, um, and do the fireworks, me and Dickie Wilkins. Wilkins He's a, he's a fantastic man, by the way. Then we'd have a couple of drinks and, you know, socialise at the yep, uh, opera celebrate. house and everything, celebrate, and then we do the midnight fireworks. Well, we set up for the nine o'clock fireworks and uh, Fortunato Fody, the Fodies do all the um, all the fireworks. Yep. They, they've been doing them for years and then they're great guys. So anyway, Dickie's sitting there going, okay, let's go to the countdown for the nine o'clock fireworks. Here we go, everybody. And I get a tap on the shoulder and it's Fortunato Fody. And he said, there's no nine o'clock fireworks. I said, oh, yeah. what? I said, what? They delayed. He said, no, there's none. I said, what are you talking about? He said, it's too windy. I've just canned him. So Dickie's going, let's go to the count. I'm going, there's, there's no fireworks. I'm, I'm behind the camera going, there's no fireworks. So I, he's just, he did, he, he did a great job. He just kept patty. I think I threw in a couple of guests. There was VIPs standing around everywhere. So I just got a couple of VIPs to uh, fill a bit of time in for us. And yeah, we, we went without the fireworks, but one of the more interesting ones, but. We used to get to do that, as I say, at the um, Lord Mayor's function at uh, at the Opera House. So we had the best seat in the house. You, you queue on the the firework. They were massive jobs, but I used to got to still love doing them. They were really good, you know. Um, did those for twelve years. So now they're tossing up whether they actually have them or not. Every year's a battle for uh, the Fodies, but uh, I, I truly hope that they keep doing them because they don't understand how much joy it gives to to people. You know, 
we're talking yeah. hundreds of thousands of people. So I, I hope they keep up. I know it's probably not COVID safe or whatever safe, but I really hope that they stick with them and stick with them as big as, as they are because it really means a lot to people. Definitely. And so many people involved in that event as well. So many people, oh, so many massive. jobs. And, and... I've, got a, I've got a liaise with, they have their own function there and, and they've got um, all the acts, right? Now we, we, cherry pick the acts we might only cover three acts four acts we just pick what we want to pick but then i've got to make sure that the function is in sync with our broadcast so that the act hits its mark right when we throw to it like within a second but that's always fun doing that but uh it, it always worked pretty well we used to um the great people at the opera house and um and the great people with the production company we always used to make it work and it pretty much went without a hiccup other than when they called the nine o'clock fireworks off some of the other events that you've worked on farmhand telethon 2002 for the drought relief yeah we did this uh we went out to um homebush acer and i think it was a car uh but we did this massive fundraiser for the farmers we had a massive like they're in the middle of the worst drought they've had for 100 years or something so anyway, we had one day to rehearse it and to go on air live that night. So we had 21 bands. It was just Ray Martin linking the bands. Hello, this is how much we've raised. Next up, we got in excess, blah, blah, blah. Off we go. So we had to rehearse 21 bands before we actually got on air. And we were just running so late. And you know, I had problems with a few bands wanting more time. And I had to explain to them oh. we just didn't, didn't have that time. And... You know, to make it work, we're all going to have to just, you know, cut, cut our rehearsals down. But yeah, in the end, we had John Williamson doing a sound check as the audience were coming in and the rest of the crew were on their bell break. At one stage near the end of the rehearsals, the executive producer went down on his knees in the middle of the stage with his hands on his head and said, we're never going to get this done. I said, <laughs> oh I said mate, get off the stage, get out of my way. Everything Pull yourself fine. together. She'll, she'll be sweet, mate. It all, all went sweet. It all went good, you know? Yeah, uh, and that just, was a huge event. Well, that was massive. And we had the, the stage was, we'd get, do one band and the stage was a turntable. Uh, so we'd be doing one band and setting the other band on the back of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Then when that one was finished, as soon as I got the thumbs up, the other one was ready to go. We'd spin it around and bang, we'd go into the next, you know, the next act. It was a, it was an out, outrageously good way to do that many bands, you know. Yeah. And just working with bands has always been a highlight of my job. I just love doing it. I love music, you know. So, yeah. Um, the rehearsals, I've done the arias a couple of times. Uh, I did another uh, play thing called Wave Aid for the tsunami uh, for Indonesia. We did a uh, that was that was quite a unique experience at the um, at the Opera House because seven, nine, and ten actually all worked together and 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 helped crew it. I think they had something like a thousand volunteers too. I was on holidays at the time. It was in January, and I uh, I got a phone call from work and they just said, "Look, we got this." Uh, are you away at the moment? I will, well, no, I'm away, but I'm holidays. And they said, could you come in just for two days? You know, one day rehearsals, one day to do it. I went, yes, I went, no worries. So, you know, I'm not saying anything to myself about, but I said to them, don't worry about paying me. I'll donate my, my time. You know oh, what I mean? Nice. Well, a couple of weeks later, I see a nice bonus in my pay that oh, no one's lovely. given me for doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. but it was a, uh, that was a unique experience. We had, a, we had a ton of bands. I think we had two stages going. The crowd, I'm not sure what the crowd was, but it would have been 20,000. It was just massive, you know, obviously before COVID times and everything. So um, that was another day where you walk away totally exhausted, but with a sense of achievement. 
Yeah, especially those huge events raising yeah. money for like the droughts and the the tsunami. Um, yeah, and when you when you get bands, especially the, the, the bands that have been around, like the Inexcesses and like the who else is on the you know, uh, they come up to you and saying, "I oh, thank you very much." You know, you put on a great thing, and when they're actually happy with with the way it all went, it's great. It gives yeah. you tremendous satisfaction, especially yeah. when the big acts have been working God knows how long. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was nice. It's um, nice to be part of those massive events. I tell you what, it is. It's just dropped on me now that. I was brought up on rugby league, brought up in a team. It's a real team event doing these things, and you feel like you're, you're just part of the team, you know. And I, that's one thing that really appeals to me that you think, geez, our team did a great job today, or geez, our team could have done better, or, or whatever. But you're a team, you know. Yeah. And everyone's got to, like I always say to the guys I'm working with, doesn't matter how little you think your job is, every single one of them are as important as the next, you know what I mean? Every single job you do, and it doesn't matter what it is, but you're doing it because it's important, you know. Yeah. Hundred percent. Are you looking forward to a somewhat normal NRL season next year? Oh, look, I was, but um, this time last year, I was thinking the same thing, and look yeah. what happened this season. So, you know, I'm prepared for anything. If, yeah. if I've got to go back up again, you know, I'll have to go back up again. Lucky, I've got a very understanding wife, and my kids have, have grown up and moved out anyway. So, um, yeah, I'm probably in a better position than most. To, if, if it happens, it happens. If I go up, I go up. But I'm I'm pretty much prepared for anything. I think I think we all are after I think everything we are. We, we've done for the last eighteen months. I think everyone's just oh yeah. Well, something would have been a big issue, you know, eighteen months now is oh yeah, no worries, wouldn't it? Yes, we're that. Oh, we'll move it. We'll move a state of origin two days before it's supposed to happen to another state. You know, oh yeah, we'll we'll make it work. Yeah, I know. We're all kind of very prepared now. It's made us like that, and it's great to see that we've that I can't. I never take it for granted how good people are at adjusting with things like that. As I say, I'll go back to the wives of the players when I was in quarantine, had nothing but smiles on their faces and doing their best and, you know, just making the best of what we got. A lot of them hadn't seen their, their husbands for three, four, five. Look at the Warriors. I mean, they personally haven't been home for two years, you know? I know. Yeah, all they, all they do is put a smile on their face and, you know, get on with it. And it's thanks to them and thanks to that attitude across the board with everyone why we're still working, we're still employed, the NRL is still going on, you know? Everyone's going to make those little sacrifices. No one gets bogged down with their own circumstances and and puts it on everybody else. Everyone's just, you know, really positive. And and it's been a really, it's been, I don't say a life-changing experience. It it has been a life-changing experience because we've experienced things that we thought we were never going to have to experience, you know? I mean, no one would have thought that, these last two years would be like this. And God bless the NRL. I mean, they've, other than the short hiatus for a couple of months, it's been business as usual. We've got it to wear. Not only that, you, you're getting it on TV, you're giving people enjoyment in these times, which is probably, which is even more important than normal times. So it's a, it's a win, win, win. I'm praying and hoping that, um, it's semi normal next year, but then I'm thinking, well, what is normal? No, I think no. we've lost sight of what normal is. Yeah, it's definitely a different world now. But it's so great just to chat to you about all things career because you've done an insane amount of things. And I've had the time to chat to people just about their careers and reflect on the massive things that we've been working on. Because we get so busy, you know, before COVID hit, we were so busy. We're just doing event yep. after event after event yep. and shows. And now we've been able to stop and reflect on... It does give you a bit of reflection time, doesn't it? Yeah, I found that. You start to look back at the thing you've done and, you know, and what you've done and what you've liked, what you haven't liked. And as I say, it sounds 
boring, but uh, 25 years plus doing this job, I still love it. Like the, I loved it the first day I started, and I still want to keep doing it for as long as I can, you know, until they wheel yeah. me out. It's a job that I love doing, it, and I'm blessed. I wish everybody could find a job that they love doing because you spend an awful large part of your life at work. So if you have the added bonus of actually enjoying it, well, it makes you a happier person, you know? It does. It does. And I look forward to seeing you in person, whatever event this may be, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, Jackson. It's always yeah. good to say, see your smiling face. I know things are going to run in your uh, department absolutely brilliantly if I see you there. Well, thank you so much for spending the afternoon with me talking. Tom. That's okay. Really thank appreciate you very much it. for having me on. You're a super interesting person and I love everything that you've done. And um, so I'm really glad that we could talk all about it. Thank you, Jackie. Right back at you, kid. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. Tony Chalmers, what a chat. You can head over to the news column on our website to read more about this episode. And to stay up to date on all things JLD, find us on Instagram at JLD Entertainment and myself, Jacqueline Lee Elliott. You can also subscribe to this channel. And if you would like to advertise on this podcast or inquire about some business shout outs, get in touch. Appreciate you all. Stay safe. And until next time. 